Welcome to the Bayshore Podcast. As listeners each week, whether through iTunes or through the church app, you're part of our church family. We would love for you to share stories of how Bayshore is impacting your life by sending us an email at amen at bayshorecc.org. As always, you can find all kinds of information and content on our website, bayshorecc.org. There's also our church app, which you could download by going to bayshorecc.org slash app. So thanks again for joining us this week, and we hope that today's message is a blessing to you. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome to Bayshore this morning. I'm Danny, uh, Pastor Danny, one of the pastors here, and so glad to see you this morning. We're glad that you're part of Bayshore this morning. Hope you've had a great week, and I can't tell you how excited I am about the fall. I love the fall weather. This is like my favorite time of year, and I'm really excited. And uh, how many can't believe the summer is almost over? Can you believe that? How many thought the summer went too fast this year? Went too fast, like... You know, last year that happened to me. I said, I'm not going to let it happen, you know, this year. But here it is, almost fall. And uh, so, anyhow, great things happen in the fall, though. Football season starts. And, uh, of course, the U.S. Open, if you're a tennis person, that starts uh, tomorrow. So I asked Karen if she wanted to say anything before the U.S. Open started. And uh, so I'm really excited about that, watching the U.S. Open this week. Uh, love the brochures. The new brochures about our small groups are, are in your seats there. And we love to be in small groups. We, we grow in circles. We learn in Rose, but being in circles and being in uh, restaurants and living rooms together, sharing our faith is a great way to grow. So today's in a historical day for Bayshore because uh, we've been studying uh, the book of Acts for like the last 12 years or so, and uh, today we're finishing the book of Acts. How many have enjoyed this series? It's been a great series, and uh, so we are in chapter 28 of uh, Acts, and I love this uh, section of scripture, and we're going to be looking at uh, Acts 28 this morning. We want to welcome our, our, our Facebook Live community. We have between 700 and 1,000 people every week that listen on Facebook Live, so would you give a big hand to our Facebook Live community, welcome them as they listen this morning. Thank you. Well, we are uh, in Acts chapter 28, and I think the best way to start is to read this uh, we had a guest speaker last week, and he covered chapter 27. And so today we're in chapter 28 as we finish out this great book, the book of Acts, Acts 28, verses uh, 1 through 31. Let me read this to you. Uh, Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and he put it on the fire, and a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw that the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Paul took and shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. He, he, his father was sick in bed, suffering from a fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. And when this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came where and were cured. They honored us in many ways and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with a figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux. 
They, had disagree, they, they disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. We put in Syracuse and stayed there for a few days. From there, we set, and we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up and we reached Petoli. There we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When, he, when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called the, together the leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, though I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had any charge to bring against my own people. For this reason, I've asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I'm bound with this chain. They replied, we have not received any letters or from Judea concerning you, and none of the brothers who have come from here have reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that the people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even greater numbers to the place which he was staying. From morning till evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them that Jesus was uh, Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. The Holy Spirit spake the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will ever be hearing but never understanding. You will ever be seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and would heal them. Therefore, I want, to, want you to know that God, the God of salvation, has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this is a, a wonderful story because uh, last week Paul went through an enormous storm. And the storm was ferocious and he ended up, as we began reading this text this morning, he ended up on an island, a little island called Malta. This little island uh, is in the Mediterranean Sea. Just, uh, it's about 80 miles south of Syracuse. The island of Syracuse is just at the bottom of the, uh, the boot of Italy. And uh, this little island is only 18 miles long and 8 miles wide. And so Paul ends up on this island. Now, how far has he blown off course? He was on his way to Rome, and he's on one of these big grain ships. Now, these ships that we read about in chapter 27 and chapter 28, these aren't, these aren't cruise liners. These are basically big, uh, big boats that are filled with wheat that are taking wheat from Egypt to Rome. Rome had annexed uh, uh, Egypt years before, and Egypt's role in the Roman Empire was to provide bread and wheat. And so Paul is on one of these, these wheat ships, basically. And uh, he's on his way, and uh, there's a storm that prevails in chapter 27, uh, and the storm blows this ship, this grain ship, off course. It was supposed to go straight to Rome, but instead it, grow, it was blown uh, really far south, and it ended up 500 miles, 500 miles off course from where Paul was supposed to go. 
So instead of going to Rome and ending up in Rome, he ended up, ended up on this little island. Now, it's a beautiful island. Here's a picture of the island, and it's uh, just a beautiful island. And uh, it's now a resort area. And so people all in Europe and uh, in Turkey, they all go to this island for, for vacation. Here's another picture. Uh, there's actually, uh, see how beautiful it is? And uh, there's one more picture I have here. This is uh, called St. Paul's Bay, actually, I think. And so you can see it's a resort area. So Paul ended up in this beautiful area. And it wasn't, these motels weren't there then and all that. So, but it was, uh, it was a nice area. It was really beautiful. And, uh, and so he was on this island. And here's what's interesting about the story. Paul ended up somewhere he didn't plan to be. Paul ended up somewhere he did not plan to be. Now, I think life gives us that scenario many times. Sometimes we end up in a place we did not plan to be. And sometimes we don't know what to do when we're at plan B. Somebody wrote a great book called Life is About How You Deal with Plan B. So Paul was in a place he did not plan to be. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a place you didn't plan to be? Have you ever been in a situation you didn't plan to be in? Maybe unemployed. Maybe uh, you went through a, a breakup with your girlfriend or boyfriend. Maybe you didn't get into the school you wanted to get into. Maybe you went through a divorce and you ended up in a place you didn't plan to be. Or maybe, like my dad is going through right now, he's, he's a new widower and has never been a widower before, and he's in a place he did not plan to be in. So I think life puts us in places where we don't plan to be in. And so we have to learn when life blows us off course how to deal with those situations. And one of the things I believe about being in a place that you don't plan to be in is that when you're in a place that you don't plan to be in, there's always a purpose for the place you didn't plan to be in. God has a purpose for you. And we are so obsessed with getting out of the place we didn't plan to be in that we miss the opportunities that are in the place that we didn't plan to be in. So we've got to think about why we're there. When I was a kid growing up, there was a TV show called Gilligan's Island. Now, I don't know how many, how many of you ever saw Gilligan's Island? It came out in 1964. Here's a picture of the cast of Gilligan's Island. And uh, you've, got all, you've got Gilligan here. You've got the skipper. You've got, who's her name? Mary Ann and Ginger. And you've got Mr. and Mrs. Howe. And you've got the professor. And, and, and this story, you know, this, this TV show, it ran for two, I think three years, 1964 to 1967. And then was syndicated uh, for afternoon TV throughout the 70s and 80s. How many ever saw Gilligan's Island? Great, great show. You know, Gilligan's the goofy guy. He's always, you know, he's always messing things up. And Skipper's always, you know, calling him his little buddy and taking off his hat and hitting him. And uh, so it's a, great, it's a great show. But the whole show is based on this scenario. The scenario of the show is how to get off the island. And every time they almost get off the island. They almost get off the island. But Gilligan botches the whole thing and Skipper hits him with the hat. So that's the show. And if they ever get off the island, the show's over with. Because the premise of the show is how do we get off the island? So in our life, many times we are thinking, how do we get out of the situation we are in? But instead, we should be thinking, what opportunities are before us in the place where we are? The place we didn't plan to be just may be a place of destiny that God has for us, and we may be exactly where we're supposed to be, and God may have a plan for us right where we are. So when you think about the story, what happened when Paul was blown off course, and he was put in a place he didn't plan to be, when he was in a place he didn't plan to be, right in front of him were opportunities that God used him 
to minister to people on that island. And in fact, there's a guy by the name of Publius. He is the governor of the island. Paul had this, this, uh, this uncanny ability to connect with people of high standing, wherever he was, governors and kings, and he was always connecting to those people. And so uh, Publius on the island had a, had a father that was very ill, and Paul is invited to come in to the house, and he spends some time there, and Paul prays for his father, Publius' father, the governor's father. He prays for the governor's father, and the governor's father is healed. And then all of these people, all of these people from the area come to the house, and Paul prays and heals them. There's a purpose for Paul being in Malta. There's a purpose for where you are right now. You may have been in a storm. You may have come through a horrible experience. You may have gone through a divorce. You may have gone through this terrible thing that's happened, and it's blown you off course, and you're in a place you didn't plan to be. But let me tell you something. Don't live in non-existent time thinking about how am I going to get out of this situation, but think about what does God want to do with you right where you are. Bloom where you are planted. Can you say big amen? It's important for us to have that concept, that way of thinking, because there's a purpose for you right where you are. And so Paul, he goes to this governor's house, Pulis' house, and he prays and he ministers to this, uh, this man, the governor. And no doubt, it doesn't say it uh, explicitly, but no doubt this man became a Christian. The governor of the island probably became a Christian. Historians believe that Paul planted a church there. Paul never went anywhere. He didn't plant a church. So he was only there for three weeks, but he led people to the Lord. And so instead of uh, being lamenting about being where he did not plan to be, he saw the opportunities where he was, and he used those opportunities, and he became an impact and a force right where he was. So what does he do when he's there? He ministers to this governor's father and brings healing to them. And this guy, it says he has dysentery. Now, I don't know, uh, I know a little bit about dysentery from my studies, and I know it's a very painful disease, and I know it's a very humiliating disease, and he's, he's been sick for a long time, and no doubt he's lost a lot of weight, and he's weak, and he's in pain, and so Paul comes, and he alleviates his suffering. Now, here's what I want you to remember of what Bayshore is about, what our church is about. We are called by God to alleviate suffering in this community. People that are hurting, people that have gone through horrific experiences and they've gone through divorces and they've gone through addictions and they've gone through all kinds of things and they've been in so much pain. We are called by God to step into their life and to help them to deal with their pain. And so that's what Paul did in that situation. Uh, this week, my uh, wife Karen, she, was, uh, she just had knee replacement uh, surgery and uh, this has actually been six weeks and she's doing so good with her physical therapy her physical therapist here this morning and uh, we call her the tormentor but anyhow it's wonderful you're doing a great job Heather by the way I didn't mean to point you out but you're doing a great job and uh, Karen's getting better and she's doing so good and all of that but this week she was doing her exercises at home and our our, our son Joel and his wife Stacy and our two grandchildren uh, Nora and Nixon are living with us while they're building a house. And it's, I've been making jokes about it, but it's just going wonderful. We're having a great time, and we're getting to be with the grandkids all the time. And little Eli, the dog, we're just having a great time. But this week, Karen was doing her, uh, her physical therapy uh, at home, our exercises, and she has this one exercise where she has to sit in a chair and slide her, her, her leg way back, and she was grimacing in pain, and her face was just kind of distorted. 
and a little Nora. Here's a picture of Nora. Nora's the most beautiful little grandchild in the world. She starts school next Tuesday, and uh, this is Nora. And uh, Nora looks at, looks at Karen, and she says, Mimi, and she talks like an adult. She said, Mimi, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> exactly what she says. Mimi, I don't know what to tell you. I just think you need to take a deep breath and ask Jesus to help you with the pain. You know, that's pretty good theology right there. That is good theology. You know, and that's what we need to do. Sometimes just take a deep breath and ask Jesus to help you with the pain. Sometimes, you know, when, when we're ministering to people, you know, we don't have all the answers about why they went through things and why, you know, somebody in their family died or we don't have all the answers to that. You know, we're not called by that. But sometimes we just need to say to people, you just need to take a deep breath and ask Jesus to help you with the pain. And let me ask you a question. How many here this morning, Jesus has helped you with your pain in your life? I can tell you as my hand is raised, I've been through some pain in my life. And Jesus has helped me with the pain. And Jesus has a way of helping us with the pain. And so Paul, the reason he's on the island of Malta is to help this man with his pain. And so when you are in a place you did not plan to be, there is really a plan for you to be where you are. You're not there by accident. You're not in the situation you are by accident. And don't live in the future always thinking about how I'm going to get off the island like Gilligan's Island, but think about what are the opportunities that are right in front of me right now and ask God to use you right where you are and quit thinking so much about changing your circumstances, but think about how God can use you right where you are. And here's what's interesting about the story. Paul was in a place he didn't plan to be, and there was a plan for him in the place where he didn't plan to be. And he wasn't in the place he didn't plan to be long. So when you're in a situation sometimes where you didn't plan to be, that is not your permanent address. That's just a temporary address. God has other things for you to do. In three weeks, Paul is on another ship and he's on his way to Rome. And he had fulfilled his purpose in being where he did not plan to be. When Karen and I first got married... Um, I worked for Acme Markets. Uh, Acme used to be a grocery chain in our community. There's a few Acmes that are coming back. And I worked for Acme Markets. And Karen and I lived in Bridgeville uh, in a little mobile home. And uh, I worked in Seaford in the Acme Market, worked at the night shift and stock shelves and all that. And, um, and after I was, uh, when Karen and I first got married, I was working in Seaford. It was great, real close by and all that. But then my, uh, I got transferred from Seaford to Salisbury. They were setting up a new store, and that was quite a drive from Bridgeville to Salisbury. And so when I went to this store in Salisbury, I worked the night shift. I went at 10 o'clock at night, got off 7 o'clock in the morning, and, uh, and it was a good-paying job. It was good for uh, us as newlyweds and, and all that. But when I went to this uh, particular store, this brand-new uh, store in Salisbury, uh, it was, it was, I think it was in Tinley Square, and it, it, it was really a great store. But the people I worked with at this store they were the most crude and vulgar people I'd ever worked with in my life. And I'd heard a lot of profanity and a lot of dirty talk and all that. But these people took it to a whole new level. I mean, it was really, really awful. And I worked on this one certain aisle every night. And there was this one guy named Ludell that worked on the other side. And he was talking to his friend that worked on the other aisle for me. And they were telling their dirty stories all night long and their ex sexual exploits. And it was like eight hours of listening to, you know, something I didn't want to hear. And uh, it was just a really, it was a long drive and it was crazy. And it was just not, I didn't like it there. 
And I remember, uh, you know, uh, I'd been there for like eight months, and, and I was driving, and driving that long trip back home in the morning. And uh, after about eight months, one night, I, I decided while I was there, I was going to be the best acme worker I could. And, you know, I wasn't like really, you know, thumping the Bible. I was just trying to, you know, be a good person, live for Jesus, and, and uh, you know, work, be the best worker I could be. And I remember... What happened was, uh, after about eight months, one night we took our break about 4 a.m. in the morning. There was a break room up there. And so we went up to take our, our break and to eat our lunch about 4 a.m. in the morning. And we're sitting there. And one of the guys, I can't remember how the conversation went. One of the guys that knew I was a Christian, he asked me something about my faith. And I got to tell him all about Jesus, and, the, and it was like eight or nine guys sitting there, and for about ten minutes, they just listened to me. They didn't tell any dirty jokes, they didn't cuss, they just listened to me, and I told them about Jesus. And it's like two days later, you wouldn't believe it, I got transferred two days later out of that store. You know what I think? I think that God put me in that place that I didn't want to be for that moment. And sometimes God puts you in a place you don't want to be for a particular moment, and God has something for you right where you are, right where you are. So don't be thinking about, how can I change my circumstances? How can I become, you know, how can I get in a different situation? Don't live in non-existent time. Don't be living in the future, but live in the present and think about what are the opportunities right where you are. So let me just uh, summarize some things here as we go through uh, the rest of this chapter. Uh, Paul ends up, he finally gets to Rome, and when he gets to Rome, all these Christians meet him, uh, it's kind of cool, and he's coming up the, the boot of Italy, and he gets about 44, 43 miles from the city of Rome, he's traveling up this road that comes up the, the boot of Italy called the Appian Way, and he gets 43 miles from, from Rome, and all these Christians know he's coming, and they come to meet him, and then he gets to this other place called uh, uh, Three Taverns, and he gets there, and that's 34 miles from Rome, and all these Christians come to meet him. When he finally gets to Rome, he meets with the Jewish people, the leaders of the Jewish community, and he talks to them about Jesus. And the whole book of Acts has been about Paul going to the Jewish people and trying to convince them from the Old Testament that Jesus was the Messiah. And that's what he's been doing. And so that's what he does in the last chapter of the book of Acts. He calls for the leaders of the Jews, and they come to his house. They come to his house in great numbers, and he tells them, about Jesus from the Old Testament. Do you know there's about 800, listen, there's about 800 quotations from the Old Testament in the New Testament. So there's the Old Testament saturates the New Testament. So what Paul did is he went and he went in the Old Testament, went in Isaiah, and he goes in Isaiah, he goes into the Psalms, and he convinces the Jewish people from the Old Testament that Jesus was the Messiah. And some believed and some didn't believe. And so basically, at the end of his conversation with the Jewish people, uh, the Jewish leaders, there was uh, 8 to 10 to 12 uh, synagogues in Rome at that time, uh, scholars believe. And so he has all these leaders come, and most of them wholeheartedly reject his message. And they don't receive that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, something happened interesting. This is something I just learned about I thought was really interesting. Uh, back in 2006, there was this interesting thing that happened. There was a famous rabbi... In, uh, uh, in, in Jerusalem that had, had uh, been, been thinking and, and about the Messiah coming. And his name is <clears throat> Yitzhak Kaduri. Yitzhak Kaduri. Here's a picture of uh, Yitzhak Kaduri. 
Now, he was one of the most famous rabbis in Israel uh, in the last, you know, last part of this, the, the last century. And uh, he lived to be 108 years old, 108 years old. And celebrities came to see him. He was the most famous rabbi in, uh, in all of uh, Israel. And he was a very engaging personality. He was a great communicator, knew Hebrew, knew the scriptures well. But in 2006, he began to say, before he died, that he knew who the Messiah was. That he knew who the Messiah was. He began to say, I know who the Messiah is. And uh, he had made these different prophecies about different things in our times. And so everybody was really interesting to see what he was going to say. And uh, he, what he did is he wrote down who he believed the Messiah was on a card. And he folded it up, put it in an envelope, and he gave it to one of his close associates. And he said, I don't want you to open this until after I die. So Yitzhak Kaduri, uh, 108 years old, when he dies, 200,000 people come to his funeral. 200,000 people come to his funeral. That's how famous he is. And he's revered in Israel. And when, uh, after he dies in April, he died in January, they opened the envelope. And it said, Yehoshia, uh, Yeshia is the Messiah. And maybe you don't know Hebrew, but Yehoshia, Yeshia is Jesus in Hebrew. This famous rabbi said that the Messiah is Jesus, that the Messiah is Jesus. And he said, many have heard his name, but few have believed. Many have heard his name, but few have believed. When you think about what Paul was doing over 2,000 years ago, he was going to these Jewish people and he was teaching about the Messiah. He was teaching about Jesus. He was teaching about that Jesus is the Messiah. He was ministering the grace of God. He was ministering the ministry of the Lord and he was helping these people and they could not see. And 2,000 years later, another rabbi, a modern rabbi, comes and he says that Jesus is the Messiah. Say this with me. The Old Testament predicted the coming of Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament that spoke about his coming. So Paul did that. He's speaking and he's ministering and he's communicating. And what I think is interesting about the book of Acts is that it ends with Paul, the Jewish people rejecting Paul and rejecting his message. And then the Gentiles receiving Christ. And that's basically what happens through the whole book of Acts. It happens through the whole book of Acts in uh, in, in, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in this particular book. And you see this, uh, this, this pattern. Paul would go to the synagogues. We've been studying. He goes to the synagogues. The synagogues reject the gospel. He leaves the synagogues. He preached the gospel. And the Gentiles come in. And so this, the book ends this way with the Jewish people rejecting, rejecting the gospel and the Gentiles embracing the gospel. The book of Romans says that one day the Jewish nation itself will embrace Jesus as the Messiah. And you begin to see those incredible things happening. So here's what I think is weird about the book, uh, is how the book ends. You, you know, some people even think maybe it's, miss, there's, there's a chapter missing here. Seems like there should be more. The book ends, Paul's sitting in jail. He's sitting in jail, he's in chains. And uh, actually, he's in his own rented house. He has a, you know, a little better situation than that. And people are coming to him for over two years, and he's telling them about Jesus. He couldn't go anywhere, but all these people come to Paul, and he's telling them about Jesus. And it ends that way. And, you know, it seems like to me, if I went to a movie that it ended that way, I'd be really disappointed. 
Because I want to, I want to see what happens left. Does he get out of jail? Does he get out of prison? Does, is he released? None of that is seen. And I think the reason that Luke leaves us hanging is because the book of Acts is continuing. The book of Acts is continuing. When I was in Bible college, I had to do an internship. And in the internship, what I did was uh, I had to do basic things that a pastor does. I had to prepare sermons. I had to go to funerals. I had to do different things. And they sent me on hospital visits. And the first hospital visit that they sent me on uh, as my internship for a pastor was in the Baptist Hospital in Pensacola, Florida. And I went to the Baptist Hospital, visited this little old lady, and she was a member of the church there. And I don't know if she was disappointed that a student came to see her, but I was there, one of the Bible college students. I went to see her pastoral visit. And she's just full of the Lord. She's just so happy, so full of the Lord. And she's just thrilled and just filled with the Lord. And she looked at me and she said, Sonny, she said, you know what my favorite chapter in the Bible is? I said, no, what's your favorite chapter in the Bible? She said, my favorite chapter is Acts chapter 29. Acts chapter 29. I'm a new Bible college student. You know, I'm, I'm just about ready to graduate, so I don't know the Bible real well, but I've been studying. Oh, yeah, I said Acts chapter 29. That's when Paul's in Rome, and he's, uh, I've been shipwrecked and all that. She said, honey, you need to go back to Bible college. She said, Acts only has 28 chapters. <laughs> so, you know, I, I stood on her breathing tube, you know, and I was praying for her. <clears throat> But you know what she said? She said, uh, Acts 29 is what the church is doing now. I don't want to just read about what the church used to do, but I want to read about what the church is doing now. She said, my, ha- my favorite book is, Act- my favorite chapter is Acts chapter 29. And that's why I think that Acts is kind of left hanging. I, I went, uh, I was riding my bike the other day and, uh, I rode the Breakwater Trail and the Gordon Pond Trail, and then I was coming. I parked at the Lewis Library, and I was uh, trying to find a trail back to the Lewis Library without going over the bridge there. And uh, there's a new trail that kind of comes under the bridge, and I thought, this is going to take me right to the library. And what I didn't know is, the, is it wasn't done yet. And so I, I followed it, and here's where I ended up. Here's a picture. I ended up right there. <laughs> and I got right there. I was like... The library is right over there, but I can't get there. So I had to turn around and go wait, wait around. And we think Acts sort of looks like that. It kind of ends this way. But really what Acts is about is about the road continuing. And I want you to say this way. Raise your hands right now and say, we are Acts 29. We're still living the ministry of Jesus. We are the book of Acts. We're Acts chapter 29. So... I think about Paul, you know, you know, the scholars believe that he was released for a period of time. You know, there's two scholars in particular that, that uh, historians that were in the first century that said Paul was released and he was later captured. So he got released. Um, and, and, and so that's what's believed. But Paul is, Paul doesn't see, Paul is at his uh, end of his ministry. He's going to be executed by Nero. He's going to be recaptured. And he's going he's, he's gonna to lose his life. And he doesn't see the impact. He doesn't see the impact of what his ministry has done. He sees some Christians, but he doesn't know that what he started is going to change the world. He doesn't know that, that Christianity will become the largest religion in the world. He doesn't know that the Bible will become the best-selling book in the world. He doesn't know that. He's, he's walking by faith 
And he doesn't see the results of what has happened, of what's going to happen. Uh, this, this week, uh, my son Joel, we were talking about services, how it went to Rehoboth, went, how it went in Rehoboth last week. And I told him this wonderful story that happened to me last week, and we always share stories. And I said, last week, my great story was, and I was serving in children's church last week. I just love the children's department. If, if I ever retire, I'm headed right to the children's department. That's where I want to serve. I love the children's department. And I uh, just love it over there. And I was helping this little girl that was kind of like, she was like, you know, she wasn't really engaged in the games and she wasn't doing a lot. And uh, so I would sit with her and help her and I'd turn her chair around. And she stayed for both services because her parents were serving. And at the, uh, toward the end of the second service, and I've been with her the whole time, she turned to me and she said, would you be my friend? And I was, I was like, man, I was like in it. I'm telling you. I was like, I am going to be your friend, you know. And she's following me around, hugging on, and I'm, I'm walking. She's hanging on to my, my leg, you know. And it was just wonderful. But Joel said, I got a better story than that. He said, I was in church last Sunday at Rehoboth. She said, he said, I met this new girl. She's like 25 years old. And she said, uh, she said uh, hey, I love this church. He said, I, she said, I don't live here all the time, but when my parents live here, when I'm here, this is my church. And she said, I can't tell you how much I love this church. And she said, you know how I found Jesus? She said, I found Jesus. I was in Starbucks one day, and I was sitting there, and there was this guy sitting in front of me, and he was reading a book called Judas Smith, but it was by Judas Smith called How's Your Soul? And, and I asked him about the book, and then he started telling me about Jesus. And he was telling me about Jesus, and she, she said, I was in all these Eastern religions, this yoga and all this stuff. And, uh, and so he told me about Jesus, and he gave me the book, How's Your Soul by Judas Smith. And she said, I went home and read that book. And she said, I left the Eastern religions and all I was thinking. And she said, I went to church, and I got saved, and I got baptized, and I went on a mission trip. And she said, I know about the Eastern religions and all that, but now I'm a follower of Jesus. And Joel said, I know that story. I know that story. So my dad was sitting in Starbucks about two years ago, and he was sitting across the girl, and we were getting ready to have our Bible study. We were studying How's Your Soul by Judas Smith. And he, he said, my dad gave you that book, and that man is, your, is my dad. I said, Joel, that is a better story. That is a better story. <laughs> Now, I don't tell you that story to make me look like some hero. I tell you that story because sometimes when you minister and you reach out to people, you don't know the impact you really have on them. You don't get to see, and Paul didn't get to see the total impact his ministry had. But what you do for the Lord and what we do for the Lord at Bayshore and our community here, we may not see everything, that we're, the impact we're having, but we're having an impact. So say this with me this morning as we close. Say this with me. Uh, when I'm in a place I don't plan to be, there's a plan for me there. My mission is to fulfill God's purpose right where I am. Would you lift your hands to the Lord this morning? Let's let the Lord minister to you and comfort you and encourage you. Lord, we thank you that the kingdom of God is still moving. We thank you that we are part of Acts 29, that we are a church in our community that's reaching out to change our community through the power of Jesus. It's not our name. It's not our wisdom. It's not our message. It's not our joy. It's not our strength. But it's the joy and the strength of the Lord that will change our community. 
We ask you to bless us. If there's anybody here today, Lord, that doesn't know you, that doesn't have a relationship with you, we pray, Lord, as, as we're ending this service of the Holy Spirit, will open their hearts to receive Jesus and they can receive Jesus right where they are to make Jesus the Lord of their life. We ask you to bless them as they come into the kingdom of God. We ask this in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen, amen. amen.